to a special Nerds Amalgamated episode. Tonight we're talking about Stan Lee, who uh, sadly passed away this week at the age of 95. Tonight we have a special guest, Sean from Extreme Champion Tournament. Sean, tell us a bit about uh, XCT. Okay, guys, uh, the Extreme Champion Tournament is based in the year 2069, uh, where the UFCs evolved back to gladiatorial fighting, and they get around that by cloning different historical figures. So uh, plenty of action, and uh, there's a bit of that uh, underlying uh, story of uh, second-class citizens and not treating them uh, as we would uh, because they're clones. Okay. That's, that's nice. Sounds, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so we've been pretty lucky. Uh, it's, um, the series is the number one selling independent comic uh, in Australia. So uh, we've sold just over 5,000 copies um, so far. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot lot more to, to come in the next, uh, next 12 to 18 months. Fantastic. We'll have to um, post some artwork on the Facebook page. Yeah, and... As usual, the link to the XCT website will be in our show notes. So who's, who's been your favourite character out of XCT so far, if you had to pick one? Uh, I reckon it's got to be my villain. Uh, so the, the main villain is a character called Bayok, uh, which is based on a Native American mythology um, or their their version of the boogeyman and uh he's uh in our series he's just um a normal guy but he's got a skeleton tattooed over the top of him and he uses the blood of his victims to dye his mohawk red so okay that sounds pretty intense he's, he's a pretty pretty nasty piece of work but uh he looks cool uh, and, uh, and there's an interesting, uh, interesting character and character development with him going on as well. So, no. So, where can we actually buy XCT comics? Yep. So, most of our comics are in your local comic book store, and if they can't, they they can be stocked there. Uh, otherwise, um, the website's www.xct.com.au. Uh, or our publishing site, which is www.comics2movies.com.au. So um, we've got another series that's going to be released in the next three or four weeks, which is called Terra Olympus, uh, and that's a, a sci-fi series, so something very different to, to what the Extreme Champion Tournament is. Okay, I'll have to look out for that. And just have to say thank you very much for letting us steal some artwork for you for our Facebook banner. So, yeah. No problem at all. <laughs> and for putting up with us for the next hour as we record this episode. <laughs> I uh, feel privileged to, to, to come on. I know I know we're going to be talking about um, Stan, so it's uh, a privilege to be able to, to come on something like this and, and talk to someone that's uh, or a group of guys that probably have... Um, a great respect for someone that I did as well. So, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Marvel, but I'm a huge fan of Stan Lee. Yes, like, I, I like. I enjoy some of the artwork and so forth, but just the wishy washy hippie aspect of 
Marvel. It's, they've sold out. But Stan Lee stayed true to who he was the whole time. <clears throat> yeah, I think for, for me, um, yeah, I, I didn't really know who, who Stan Lee was when I first got into comics because, um, you know, I got in in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, I remember reading Jim Lee's X-Men and that type of stuff. But it was when I started getting into the writing side of comics and really into the universe that, you know, you can't help but respect someone that's created these type of characters with iconic lines that, you know, half the population um, on Earth knows. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this: um, Stanley, along with Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, those three gentlemen have established Marvel to what it is now. As in the, the characters they made from Thor to um, the Avengers, um, X Men, Spider Man, a lot, and a lot more characters, and they've established they made who they are now. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, he was the driving force behind a lot of the stuff for them. So, yeah, yeah. Like I'm just looking at some of the characters that he made. The, uh, he included included the Fantastic Four, X Men, Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah. Um. Well, Spider Man, I guess, is the most prolific. Uh, one Captain Captain America. No, yes. someone else uh, created Captain America. I think it came in on issue three or four. Mm-hmm. Of of Captain America and then uh, Cyclops yeah, Iron as Man, well. yeah, Cyclops, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Magneto. I think sometimes people forget the villains. I think the villains are just as 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 good as the the heroes he's created, like Doctor Doom, Magneto, um, you know, Mysterio, like, Mysterio. Like yeah, like some of those are just amazing villains type of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he never. Did it in the half. It was always everything. It was always pushing for everything to be the best that it could be. Yeah, I, 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 when um, I first heard the news and I was posting something up on on my Facebook page and stuff like that, uh, I just googled you know Stan Lee um, quotes type of thing. I was pretty amazing at how many uh, like really inspirational quotes he'd said throughout his his lifetime as well. Like I actually didn't realize, you know, um, you know, having met him myself and, and spoken to him, he was quite, you know, fun and full of energy and full of praise. But some of these uh, things that he said that I've read through and I've saved a few on my computer are are really inspirational (laughs) and something that I know I'll use to to fuel my writing drive um, moving forward. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've always liked about Stan Lee is his positivity. He's always I, he, like the the whole thing with um, Excelsior to to go above and beyond the mere ordinary and to achieve more than what you think you can. Um, yeah, you got you got to love a man who that's his motto in life is be be more than what you think you can. And that was one of I remember seeing that in an interview that he did once. Where his encouragement to everyone was, don't settle for the mundane and the ordinary. Try to be more than you think you can be. 
Yeah, it's a it's a really good message in this day and age as well. I feel like you know, seventy years on, um, I think some of his message messages ring true even more now than they did did back then. Mm-hmm. And the cheekiness of how he did a lot of his stuff for getting messages in as well was always good. But with the cameos, um, not just in the movies, but also in some of the comic books, he's done. He's he's appeared as a cameo character in quite a few. Yeah, and Big Hero Six. I didn't even realize who was in that. You didn't? Ah, oh, okay. Um, you re- you realize who he is in Spider Man, don't you? And Spider Man. Which version? All of them. It, um, he always said that he he felt he uh, he was a Spider Man growing up, but in the actual um, Spider Man universe, he's had a cameo that was written in there based upon him as the JJ Jameson, the editor of the newspaper. Yeah, J Jonah. J Jonah. That, that's Stanley. Wait, no, the... that's not Stanley. That's um, Simmons. No, he he um originally it was drawn based on him. Oh, okay. And his attitude when he was like that's how he responded to himself when he was trying to get things. That's how he was never happy with himself. He was always pushing to achieve more, and yeah, but that was his cameo that he first gave himself. Wow, I can't can't remember where where I had, which interview that was that I saw that in. But yeah, it's just always stuck in my mind. So I can't give you a link to that. Sorry. Uh, I, I've I've got it on uh, Wikipedia here saying Stanley Stevens on the interview on Talk of the Nation that he modelled J. Jonah Jameson as a much grumpier version of himself. There you go. Wow. There you go. Even I didn't know that. I didn't know, hadn't heard that either. So uh, okay. Was on, was on um, NPR actually. See, yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's the amazing thing about him is that you can find out all these little bits and pieces that he'd done throughout his life that uh, you know if he didn't come out and say oh this is what I've done like you know you you wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily um, you know know that he did it so yeah um, so as I said before like I'm not a huge Marvel fan but I am a I am a fan of Stan, just because of that humbleness and how he did his things. Like, um, there's a few cosplayers and other people that I follow around the place on Facebook and whatnot. And Stanley is always one of those guys that was always happy to go out of his way to help people, and was always very humble in it. And that was that's that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about him. Is He's got so much success and he's had such a massive impact on so much society, but he is so very humble and approachable. And even um, the, the bright side, the good thing about it is that it, with his humble nature, even his competitive, even his um, co- the rival, com- rival companies like DC Comics, they respected him as well. Like, in terms of like DC saying he changed the way we look at heroes, and the modern comics will always bear his indelible mark. His infectious enthusiasm reminded us of, reminded us why we all fell in love with these comics in the first place. That was DC's um, statement on Stanley's passing, mm-hmm. and even Brian Michael Bendis took note of it as well. 
Um, it, it says, um, for a young man who dreamed of being part of Stanley's bullpen, the invite was just being the latest and long list of names. Stanley blew my mind, he wrote. It was just at those meetings I was able I was able to really tell him thank you for everything, the little things, the big things, and he heard me. That's a be- that's beautiful from this is from Michael Bu- Brian Michael Bendis, the guy who is I think part of the Spider Man um crew in mm-hmm. terms of writing and direction. So the other great um comic book writer with that sort of attitude and I'm trying to been searching trying to find they they did appear somewhere together is Lee Fork, who was behind things such as the fans uh, issues such as the Phantom and so forth. Um, but yeah, like um, Lee Fork was very similar sort of attitude, and Stanley and Lee Fork I did see some, they they appeared somewhere together, and they were just like two kids having an absolute laugh. Yeah, being within the the indie scene, um, it's been really interesting to see people post up their interactions with, with Stan, and a lot of people have said the same things, that uh, he's um, been really kind in regards to giving some feedback on, on books that he's been shown. I know myself personally, um, I, I showed him XCT when I when I did the first two issues. Um, so I've, I was lucky enough to meet him about five times over the last eight years at different conventions. Um, so, and, and he, you know, was full of praise of, of the books and uh, graciously took, took a copy as well. Um, and, and was really just, just said, you know, um, don't let anything, anything stop you. And I, I think that's, been a really big driving force and, and a, um, a motivation for me to, to whenever I kind of think that, you know, I can't get to that next level that I kind of look at what he did and the age that he did it at and kind of compare that to where I am and go, okay, you know, i got this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's one thing good about Stanley, like he's – not only the most enthusiastic person, he will always be the one that challenges the norm. Definitely. Yeah. And I was looking through, I was researching some, um, through some stuff about Stanley, and there was one that interested me was how he fought against censorship in his time, in, in his time of day. And um, it was basically in the 1960s, uh, Marvel Comics was, go- Marvel Comics was going up against a company, Against a thing called the uh, the censorship is a the censorship code. The oh, Hays yeah, the Com- Act, I think. No, no, the Comics Code Authority. It was ba- so this it, Stanley was going against those guys. This was founded in the nineteen fifties, uh, and this it was basically saying you can't have sex, you can't have violence, and cops must not be portrayed as criminals, and all of that. And Stanley goes, you know what? Screw this. I'm gonna beat. I'm gonna challenge these rules yeah posted up here and he did a very good he did there was a documentary that he um did on it and pretty good to watch i I highly recommend you guys to watch it as well but basically um and here's an interesting part as as a way to um rival that code he he and a couple of others created a comic book um company called epic illustrated and those were the guys that were famous for the um, for for the current for manga as well. 
So this was before Dark Horse Comics came into being. There was Epic Illustrated. So you have Akira, for example. It was all in color and um, or English translated as well. And that was one. I think that's that was one of Stanley's great. That's one of Stanley's lesser known achievements. But they they um, set a standard in a huge sort of way. If you look at it from one perspective. So anyway. What's your favourite uh, Stanley cameo, Sean? Uh, I've got to say um, the Hugh Hefner scene. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just I watched uh, the original Iron Man um, uh, not that long ago, and I was like, oh, I forgot forgotten about that one. And I was like, oh my god, I love that! Like every time I see it, I'm like, that's that's hilarious. Um, e- either that or when he calls Tony um, Tony Stank, I, thought, I think that's hilarious as well. <laughs> Because <laughs> how Robert um, like keeps a straight face in that, I'll I'll, I'll never know. Because you know, yeah. Oh, that was actually funny. Actually, that you think about it. <laughs> what about you, Bucky? Um, well, there's in Iron Man three in the beauty pageant when he's holding up the ten. Because <laughs> I thought, yeah, he's he's getting to have a little bit of having a bit of a cheeky laugh about some of the stuff. <laughs> But in um, Deadpool 2, the giant mural on the wall, um, you probably, most people probably haven't noticed it, but um, in Deadpool 2, there's a, a shot where there's, they're showing down the street, as I can't remember who it is, it was parachuting down. But on the right hand side, there's a huge mur- mural on a wall, and it's Stan Lee in a pair of sunglasses. Uh, that's where Shatterstar is coming down. Um, I think so. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, I just remember, just remember that mural, and yeah, it was very typical Stan Lee, just understated. I uh, pulled thing. up an article that says it's um, Domino. It's Domino. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, just it was such it was such a an epic picture. But it was done so quickly and quietly that if you, you're not looking, you won't notice it. Yeah, that was that, that was actually a fun movie too. Oh, Who's your favorite DJ? Um, mine would be Deadpool when he's when he's emceeing that strip club. <laughs> it was just a funny like backstory of how Ryan Reynolds got gone to strip club and you see and you see Stan Lee in that strip club and he's like, okay, <laughs> here it is, guys, you like. That side, so that looks so awkwardly weird. <laughs> but Stanley, what can you say? He looked like he was having a great time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the um, Captain America, the first Avenger, in the White House um, cameo that he does? Or did you did nobody else pick that up? Uh, it's been so many now. Like, um, it's funny when I uh, they showed like um, there's something like fifty seven different cameos. Okay, uh, which which is crazy because like um, you know, unless I go back and watch some of the movies now, I kind of have forgotten uh some of the some of the spots like in Thor where he's actually the pickup truck driver trying <laughs> to get the um. Uh, hammer out of the ground. Yeah. And he's there at the end afterwards and everyone else has gone away and he's like, come on, guys. Yeah. But, yeah um, oh. For the Cap- Captain America, the first Avenger, where they've got the um, 
White House press conference and Captain America doesn't show up. Lee, Lee, Cap, Stan's Lee's in there dressed as a general. So just one of those little ones you have to watch out for. You'll you go back and you see so many. But even back like the original Hulk movies and TV series, he used to do cameos in that as well. According to this article, his first appearance was in um, the trial of the Incredible Hulk in 1989. Okay. Oh, wow. Even back in those ones. Yeah. yeah. Although then it, um, it jumped straight to X-Men in 2000. But um, in... Yeah, um, he was in Blade, but they cut it. Yeah, they probably didn't credit his um, cameos that he used to do. Remember the old original Hulk TV series with Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> Um, he used to do little cameos in that in the background, like he wouldn't want his nest, he would, wouldn't probably even be speaking, he would just appear. Um, but yeah, because he did the um cameo with Lou Fregno in Hulk in 2003, <coughs> who was the original Hulk. The, the one I liked was even um in the Netflix series in the first season of Daredevil, they've got a picture of him up in the oh, think i think it's the police station don't 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 quote me on that i see the police station or the hospital but they're in the background they've got a uh um a photo of him up in the background so i was like even that was like a nice nod um to him and everything like that so yeah my other favorite cameo of his was the age of um was in the second avengers movie Age of Ultron, where he's challenging Thor to, like, I can drink this beer. Yes. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, Excelsior. <laughs> it's dragged away. Uh, and, and I will tell you this, guys, he was he's actually a genuine World War II veteran as well. You act surprised there? No, I didn't know, sir. I didn't know, actually. He, he was a war vet. I actually genuinely did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my favourite Stanley cameo is one that's probably going to shock you, The Princess Diaries. Huh? <laughs> no, it doesn't shock me. <laughs> he was, I was he talking was... with my sister a few months back, and I was like, wait a minute, that's Stan Lee. Yeah. No way, um, I gotta see that. That's that was, just... I think it's the second one when she gets married. Yeah, I think in amongst some of the links that I posted up there for you guys, um, there's something there where it talks about him in, um, what's his name? The Princess Diaries and his involvement with it. So, uh, I wonder what I wonder what his connection was to to that, or whether it was just a generic cameo. Um, according to Stack Exchange, it's because he was um, the director of the Princess Diaries. Gary Marshall was working on a uh, documentary about Stanley. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Actually, um, no, I read that wrong because. Uh, the Stanley documentary came out years after the Princess Diaries. Yeah. Um, so maybe not. Maybe it was just a random cameo. It's like the um like the Star Wars lately. That's a that's a pick pick a, pick a cameo in that. How many people uh, are in that these days? He also had his cameo in um The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that was a fun episode, but that was. One, one of the truly outstanding ones. He also did a cameo in Superman, the animated series. Yeah. Uh, oh. That's how influential he was. 
with so much of his bits and pieces. He even appeared in Superman. I'll throw you. I'll throw you guys one better. He was in the recent Teen Titans Go movie as well. As um, uh, what was, as Stanley himself, mind you. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was in um the TV series Nikita He's with been... Maggie Q. He appeared in that at one point. Do you reckon uh, it's going to be sad now? Now that he's gone, we don't, we won't see, we won't see much of Stan Lee's cameos anymore. That which is kind of sad. Well, they said they've pre-filmed like five years worth. Yeah, they've already they've already released a decade's worth in a, in five years. So, but um, yeah, with the appearance in Nikita, it actually came about after he met uh, Maggie Q. At the San Diego Comic Comic Con, uh, they were talk. They just they were talking away about it, and he was just like, "Okay." And he was in Toronto where they were filming at, for a fan expo, and he just turned up and, "Hey, how you going?" So they just, oh, awesome. But um, but then besides um, besides movies um and comics, he has been influential in a couple of other mediums. Wouldn't you agree, guys? Um, he's been massively influential in science. He was also massively influential in the anime scene as well. Like he's made a, he, I think he was influential in one of the anime series. I don't know whether you guys have seen it. It's called, um, let me pull it up. He made one series called Hero Man, which was, which was made in 2009. And it, and then you had the he's a Stan Lee, um, his own show as well, which had all the reality style um, show. Superhumans. All the superhumans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, pretty much any form of entertainment. I think there's only a few people that you know you can kind of say has had you know a major impact across all forms of entertainment, and you, you know Stan Lee's got a almost been number one, you know, Walt Disney is another and, um, you know, George Lucas uh, to a degree as well. Like, but, you know, there's not, not too many people that have been able to, to transform entertainment and then other forms of of um, media as well. Yeah. Um, here's the anime se- other anime series that Stanley was involved in as well. It was pretty recent called The Reflection that came out last year. Wow, yeah, September. Yeah. But now that you mentioned um, George Lucas, there is one thing that Stanley did, which was pretty awesome, which was Stanley was the was one of the few first pu- few people to introduce merchandising before Lucas and anyone else. And the interesting one, he's um so Stanley introduced merchandising to comics from, from from Hollywood costumes to also including a Marvel music album. Wow! <laughs> oh, and and the, the back then it was called the Marvel Merriment, the Merry Marvels Marching Society. That's the fan club back in the back in 1964, and the merchandise the Hulk, we get. Hulk the drummer. <laughs> I wish it was. Hulk smash. <laughs> So this is what you would get if if you want to sign up for the uh, Marvel Society, Me- the Merry Marvel Marching Society. You get a welcoming card, membership card, a one-sided three three and one-third RPM record, the voices of Marvel, a scratch pad, sticker, p- 
pin back button certificate, um, a six foot life size fully cut colored Spidey pinup made, made by Steve Ditko, a dollar fifty t shirt with a Ditko drawn Doctor Strange, a thing drawn by Jack Kirby, and the Fantastic Four by Jack Kirby as well. Damn, I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually just You're looking only 40 at the, years uh, late. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually looking at the YouTube video at the moment and I'm loving the fact that it's the original Iron Man and Tony Stark, where Tony Stark was actually in a wheelchair. Oh yeah. So yeah. But man, there isn't like now that he, Stanley's gone, there isn't many like huge comic book well what huge comic book um artists around, aren't there? No, um, I reckon I'd have to say probably Jim Lee's the 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 next big one now, um, and and even he's what he's probably in his sixties, late fifties, early sixties now. Fifty four. So, Fifty four. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for for oh, well, for my generation, I would say he's the biggest uh, biggest influence. Um, on me, you know, uh, X Men number one, the reboot in nineteen ninety one was the the real thing that hooked me into to comics. Uh, I've got all of that that run right up until I think it's about two hundred and fifty um, of all those comics. Um, you know, he's probably uh, my biggest influence um, from an art style as well in in what I like. Uh, to see when someone's, you know, doing, creating my characters and, and all that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, what's but, the other thing? See, the thing is, with a lot of this, we're <laughs> focusing so much on just, I guess it's pretty much the the American comic book scene because we're overlooking some of the, uh, like when we're, cause we're talking about anime. So, um we 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 got to mention Studio Ghibli here because they've had such massive influence on so much artwork coming through today as well. Definitely, definitely. Like um, you got the guy, like you got the likes of um, Sana Takeda, who produces some amazingly intricately detailed work. Who would have grown up with the likes of Studio Ghibli and? Some of the some of the others there, and would have been influenced. So yeah. Speaking of uh, Stanley, remember how we were talking about Stanley cameos and anime? Here's an interesting one for you, fellas. He was also in a Stanley. He was also in a, the cameo in a manga. Okay. And it had tra- it had its trademark mustache and and sunglasses. Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. As well, yeah. um, I'm just thinking about the fact that be it, it's a shame that Stanley's no longer with us because one of the other guys we met at Supernova Brisbane, I reckon Stanley would have loved his book almost as much as I did. 
Which that one was book it? Was that? Um, Speckles' Search for Friends. Yeah, it's you would have you would have loved it. Um, I'm trying to remember his name at the moment. Sorry, Rick Sorry. Meads. Rick Meads. That's it. He came around to say hello to us towards the end of the, the day, and he was so incredibly humble. But he introduced this book, which is a children's book about quantum physics and the creation of the universe. And it talks about Speckle, who is who becomes the universe, and his search for friends. And Stan Lee, I reckon, would have absolutely loved that because pushing science and learning was one of his things that he always tried to encourage. So I think, I think we we are like I know myself personally. I really miss that uh, that moral of a story type of thing in a in a in a really good story. You know, growing up and watching you know all the the cartoons from the eighties and everything, and and how they instilled a certain you know um, moral to the story in each episode. Where you know these days, I just feel like it's you know all about um, you know upgrading your, your character and you know, getting to the next level and you know all that type of stuff rather than actually learning something and, and I think really great writers were able to teach you something without you knowing it yeah like um, when you look back at a lot of the original comic books um, whether it was stuff such as the Phantom or any of the DC or Marvel stuff, there was always a lesson you you would be learning, and whether it would be a moral compact story, or there would be something with the science. Like when you look at um, Ant Man or the Atom, science was cool, learning was cool because you could do so many really cool things. Um, the Hulk, Spider Man, all because of science. So yeah. yeah. I, I, the one thing I liked about Stanley, what Nadge mentioned, he he always says this: the reason why he uh, made Spider-Man the costume and uh, um, a masked hero was was the fact that anyone can be a hero, from a scientist to a police officer to even a random person on the street. Anyone can be a hero, basically. Yeah. That was that was the re- that was like one of the morals that um he would instill upon. And you're right, Sean. On that, like, you don't see many writers nowadays to in put that put that message across these so days. In um, XCT, do we we do we get these lessons in each issue, or is that something you're going to be bringing about now? Yeah, so it's 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 definitely something that I'm really mindful of, um, and that's why there's there's that undertones of um, you know treating people um you know right and and showing a little bit more of that that equality without you know like shoving it down people's throats and and making it so blatantly obvious that people don't want to read uh read something because of it um Mm -hmm. and there's also that uh you know are we doomed to repeat our mistakes as a society or can we actually progress and move forward and, and learn from our mistakes. You know, um, you know, I, I really like the UFC. I'm, I'm a, a big supporter of, um, of MMA and, and everything. But, you know, from, from an entertainment point of view, there's only one more step that you can go after that. Um, you know, is, is it unrealistic to think that in 50 years that we might 
might push our boundaries and go back to to watching something like that. I, I would hope not, but I guess this is where this story kind of touches on um, our, our humanity and our um, inability sometimes to kind of learn from, from our mistakes. So um, it's, it's, as I said, I, I've, you know, I'm getting better as a writer. Um, you know, I've got Ben Rosenthal, uh, an Adelaide writer that, uh, that is um, really helping me out with the, these uh, new issues. He's taken over most of the, the writing duties and, um, you know, you can really see the improvement in, in both the storytelling and that undertones of, of what's happening um, with, with his his improved writing uh, over the top of mine. So. Okay. Nice. That's very nice. Oh, man. Uh, oh, so I was going to post something up. Um, yep. Yep. No, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just looking at some fun, uh, some of the f- um, facts, some more, some more interesting facts about Stanley. Oh, um, with the just, messages that you put that you are you putting up to, there, um, Sean. Sorry to interrupt for a second. Yeah, we, we have overlooked the professor. And what is what was your favorite cameo, Professor? Oh, he did post he, he, Princess Diaries. Yeah, oh, that's right. Was yeah. it only it's only the one, or is there more? He, yeah, just, only the one. I, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, Marvel movies, oh. and none of the ones I've seen really stand out to me. So I figured I'd just go with one that does. Okay. <coughs> so, yeah, I was a bit worried that you've gone very, very silent. I thought maybe you'd left us. <laughs> no, I have not fallen asleep. Okay. But you are right. But with Sean, you are right about the whole messages of um, morality and the duality of human beings, like. I think I see them. I see them a lot in um, his works with, with Stanley's works with the Silver Surfer. Like, um, yeah. yeah, like he did um, like a couple of years back. He did a um, he did a collaboration with a, another famous comic book artist known as Mobius to produce a book called Silver Surfer Parable, and this was a successor to his final work with Jack Kirby, known as Silver Surfer Ultimate Cosmic Experience. Wow, that sounds like hippie. That sounds like that sounds like a hippie name. <laughs> but um, yeah. Is that, so, why, is that why you like it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, we don't judge what the DJ is attracted to. <laughs> but um, yeah. The it was, it was just talking about the whole duality of um of human of of the of the being of 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 the being and how a person survives day after day kind of thing. What was interesting was how Stan Lee and Mobius first met as well in terms of Mobius was nervous with Stan Lee because he was so successful and Stan Lee's nervous of Mobius because he's a really famous artist and they're really nervous of each other. I'll post up the uh, the links to you. Uh-huh. But I will say this, though, though, like Stan Lee with, with his work ethic and with his influence, it does show... How 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 it's um how his works uh, can be viewed as beautiful pieces of art. Definitely, and I think um like uh, his legacy will li- live long long on after his life. You know, it, you know, will he be spoken about in the same breath as someone as Shakespeare and something like that? People kind of I, I feel still 
scoff a little bit at at, um, at comics and graphic novels, but um, you can really see that changing with more graphic novels, you know, getting into libraries and into into schools and everything like that. So it'll be interesting to see in a in hundred years' time, or not that I will see it, but um, it'll be interesting to know, like in a hundred years' time, whether you know his works and what he's worked on and what and the people he's worked with and the characters that he's created um whether they stand that that test of of time and i believe that they they will um but yeah it'd be be interesting it'd be like when um what was that series they're watching they, they listen to classical music and uh, i think it was might have been um fifth element they put on put on classical music and it was um Duran Duran from nineteen eighty or something like that. <laughs> they have that same sort of joke in um in the first Halo game as well. Mm-hmm. So in in a couple hundred years, the 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 artwork of the grandmasters such as Lee Fork and Stan Lee will be hanging in the Louvre. <laughs> I know it, it. It sounds a little bit funny, doesn't it? But you just you just don't know. Um, actually, surprisingly, there already is actually work owned by Lee Fork and Stanley in the Louvre, and also the Smithsonian. Wow. Okay. I've I've been to the Louvre. I didn't. Uh, they, didn't see uh, that. I wasn't. I was. I was very underwhelmed with the Mona Lisa. I didn't realize how small it was. Yeah, I've seen postage stamps that are more impressive. But um, yeah, no, they. I don't know if it's actually out on general exhibition, but there was um, some artwork because I, I remember seeing there was an auction with Lee Fork and Stanley helped like had donated some original drawings for a charity. Uh, I can't remember what the charity was, but they donated it some work and it was auctioned off and one of the pieces they had auctioned went like was gone to the Smithsonian and another piece went to the Louvre. Wow. Just because wow. they they are two of the leading artists for for their time. It's pretty cool. So don't don't scoff at it. Like the um Goma had the Marvel exhibit. Oh yeah, we went to that. It was. I, I... I'm re- I'm I'm heading back to San Diego Comic Con next year, which is 50 years of San Diego Comic Con, and um, they've uh, wasn't open this year when I went, uh, but they're opening up a museum uh, for for um, San Diego Comic Con. So it'll be interesting to see what's there as well, because that's going to be a permanent museum in San Diego. Yeah, well, they'd, they'd have um, pictures of Stan back when he had colour in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> what colour was his hair? I don't think I've ever seen that. I think it was brown. Like, it's like it's a brownie, brown, brownie yeah, black. yeah, dark brown, yeah. You, you mean young Stan Lee? Yeah. I bet you it was black, just jet black. No. Wait, uh, I've got a black and white photo of Stan Lee when he was a young kid. Well, that that doesn't help, black and white. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but it's just it's just a, you just look at looking at him with a young like a young he looks like uh, a young pimply teenager. I I found a picture of him. It looks like it's um, late seventies, early eighties, and he, and he looks like a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I found the one you're talking about. I'm going um, to he, throw it in the um, in the chat. He 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 had brownish hair. I just found a picture of him. <laughs> but, um, from 1966. Um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's uh, not the same photo, but the same style. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it is the same photo. Just it is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 1966. There you go. It's brown. In 1966, he looks like Brian Cranston at the Brian start. Brian Cranston. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so is Breaking Bad based? On I have seen. Um, I've seen a few people say that there was um, uh, like do fake images of him doing Stanley's um biopic. Yep. Uh, and he really does look like him, but yeah. If, if they're going to do a movie about his life, Brian Cranston would. I, I know he, they. I remember him being in an interview, and they and they asked him about that, and he about would he ever play Stanley in a movie because they look so similar, and he said he would be honoured. I've got a 1954 picture of him. Well, we've got a 1942 picture of him there. Is that actually him, or is that just... No, that, well, it probably is him. 1954, yeah, it looks... Wow, that's Dan Lee. <laughs> Very serious. He looks like a, a car salesman. <laughs> looks like Bruce Willis back in Moonlighting. Back when Bruce Willis had hair. Buy my comics, people. Give <laughs> me the job. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. uh, there, there was some... Uh, the, actually, speaking of um, buy my that? comics, people... Oh, you were going to say something, Buck? I was just going to say, they've got um, some of the, the classic comics there. The Human Torch, like the artwork in that. Sorry, it's just like the same, be the same as when we went to Goma. And they had yeah, some of the yeah. original com- comics there. And I was nerding out over that. And everyone else is looking at the stuff in the latest Marvel movie. And I was like, you idiots, don't you know this is what started this? Yeah, at San Diego, they they had a some under lock and key, and they had like issue one of Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man. I was like, you know, not even a foot away from it. Like it was unbelievable to to kind of go, okay, that's that's where it all started, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like they had um, some of the original Hulk comic books from way way back, and I was looking at that, and I was just going. Uh, He's the whole. He's my favorite Marvel character. So, I've got some interesting facts for you guys, but with Stan Lee. So, I'll hit um, a fun fact. Well, I'll start with a fun fact for you. Um, Stan Lee never got a haircut from a barber. His his barber was his wife. That's wow. fairly fairly standard for a lot of the guys from that sort of era. I'm not having fun yet, though, DJ. Um, so and a couple of others. Um, so his confidence came from his mother in terms of Lee wrote that as a child that he loves to read books by Mark Twain, Arthur Conan Doyle, Jules Verne, H.T. Wales, and others. His mother often watched him read and said, "I got my self confidence from the fact that my mother taught everything that I did was thought everything I did was brilliant." That's fact number two. Fact number three: Young Stanley wrote wrote um obituaries. So before writing comics, he wrote obituaries, and that's been continued into Marvel's present format. <laughs> they're always killing off their characters and they're bringing them back to life. 
Um, number four, Captain America was his first big break. So, yeah, we... so, so that was issue three or four? Um, it was. It was pretty early on, I, I think. Nine, it was actually 1941. He wrote it under the pen name Stan Lee, which became his legal name, titled it Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. And that came out in Captain America issue number five. Five. What year, okay. what year did you say? 41. Have you got your years correct there? I'm just looking at this fact. Here you go. Fact check fight. Uh, he wrote tr- number five. Uh, he wrote training films for the army with Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus? What? It's an alternative spelling of Dr. Zeus. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of about when he was doing the um, the Captain America to try and, um, you know, uh, get... Yeah, it was with like, World, War, World War II. Yeah, yeah. yeah Same like, with um, Superman. Hitler and, yeah. yeah. Which they actually gave an acknowledgement to in the Captain America movie. First Avenger, yeah. They, yep. they actually had... They, they did that the whole character development was around that because that was what it was originally about. Yeah. Um, I remember how I was saying earlier on about how... Remember how I was saying earlier on about the uh, him fighting against censorship? So it was basically in 1971, Lee received a message from the Department of Health, Education and Welfare asking him to put an anti-drugs message in one of his books. It was basically um, Peter Parker's friend Harry... um, abusing pills uh, because of breakup. The CC, the Comics Code Authority didn't approve the story with their seal because of the mention of drugs, but Lee convinced his publisher, Martin Goodman, to run the comic anyway. Um, number seven, an issue with the printers turned the whole green. I think we all know that story, guys. <clears throat> yep. And uh, wasn't Spider-Man black at one point? Wait. I don't think that was, I don't no. think Spider Man was black, was, but um, that was how Venom came about. It was actually a printing error. Someone stuffed up, and instead of him coming out in the correct shades, he came out black, with the Spider Man logo was reversing to white and streaked. I remember there being a um, reading about it a while back that some of the early uh, characters got their iconic colours. Because they couldn't um, use the like the prototype colors because they found out their printing press couldn't do that color. I just don't remember who it was. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. That's why everything's blue or red. The like a lot of primary colors. It was also um, the heroes are uh, because of the original the origins like of Captain America and Superman. The red, white, and blue is seen as the heroic color and it's also the national nationalistic aspects so yeah which is kind of funny considering what captain america stands for what beating up nazis yeah going against nationalism no actually he's pro-america so it's just okay it's just a different it's just a different national nationality nationalism i'll have to find about the one about the venom outfit uh what else was there uh number eight remember that remember how stanley would have that There'll be pictures of Stanley with this famous typewriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, according to Lee, during an argument, his wife, uh, Joni, destroyed the typewriter he used to write the first issues for characters, including Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. 
And the lesson to learn from that is when your wife tells you to do the washing up, just shut up and do it. <laughs> was that his wife who died a few years back, or yeah. was, did he remarry? No, he was, he, he's, after, after <clears throat> his wife died, he he's, he was single all the way. But yeah, that okay. was his wife who died. So she he was stayed also... with her after she destroyed his favorite typewriter. <laughs> yes, but he was he, one of those. He, he was one of the old school guys who lived by the rule of one life, one wife. Yeah, I think. He, oh, wait, if my memory serves me right. His wife was also uh, did a cameo as well with him at one stage. Yeah, um, it's in the in one of the articles. Um, it was uh, X Men Apocalypse. Ah, uh-huh, yes. He's holding uh, Joan uh, while nuclear missiles launch. <clears throat> And the last fact, um, his favorite Mar- f- Marvel film cameo was based on one from the comics. Uh, beginning with the first Spider-Man movie in 2002, Stanley had made a quick cameo in Marvel films as a service to the fans. He said that his first appear- that his appearance in Fantastic Four Rise with Silver Surfer was inspired by the story of Reed and Sue Richards' wedding in Fantastic Four Annual Volume 1, Number 3 in which he and artist writer Jack Kirby attempted to crash the wedding but are thwarted. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you could say you could say a lot with uh, with Stanley about about his stuff like from his works to his philosophy to how he lived his life outside the uh, outside the media spotlight but yeah he'd be greatly missed guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think uh yeah, I was I'm moving house at the moment. I'm uh, cleaning up my stuff and I just came across a signed um, uh, poster that I'd, I'd gotten of one of my favourite artists, um, J. Scott Campbell, and I got it for my 30th birthday and Stan signed it and J. Scott Campbell signed it and I just found it today and I'm like, wow, man, like, you know, you know you're never going to be able to get that again. You're never going to be able to, you know, um, have that, you know, get him to sign something else like that's that's it. This is this is the end. And you know, next to, next to that, the next thing I pulled out was Happy Birthday, thirtieth um, birthday, Sean Kerry Fisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and I was like, oh, damn, you know, type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's, uh, uh, and I've just sold a poster earl- earlier today, and that was um, signed by the cast of Serenity. And I didn't even realize that it's got uh, Ron Glass's signature on it, who's no longer uh, with us um, as well. Um, so, you know, and I'm a big Walking Dead fan. And early this year, I got to meet the, the actor who played Herschel, who's no longer. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I feel quite blessed that, you know, within this pop culture, culture industry, I've been able to, you know, meet and then collect and have something to, to kind of remember these guys sure. um, and girls, um, you know, in my own little way type of thing. Can, can I ask well, a, a huge, huge favour here? Yep. Can, if I give you a list of certain people, can you not meet them until after I have, just so that I can... <laughs> <laughs> You're setting a track record here where like, you've you met these people and then are no longer here. So. Uh, oh, I've I've yeah. The Hilly Surprise is still alive, friends, on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> so far, they've uh, killed off uh, David Bowie, Alan Rickman, Harper Lee. No, I haven't met either of those. <laughs> okay. 
Imagine this if you said well. you got a Michael Jackson poster. We go, oh, no, I had I had bought my ticket to go see him at his show. That's oh. the reason why. That's the reason why. Make it out here. So you, <laughs> so you can't blame me for that one. No, no. Also, because you bought the ticket, he knew you were going to be there. You go, so I'm just not going to worry about wasting time. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> Jeez, that guy. <laughs> just kill me now. He reached over and grabbed those pills really quick. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too soon. Yeah, too soon, guys, too soon. Uh, hell no. Yeah. Uh, uh, guys, they just, um, I've just got to let you, let you guys know they're doing their. Um, we, 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 they, the NSA is coming after us now? No, um, um, they're doing the. They had the. Uh, they held a public funeral, a uh, private funeral for Stan Lee. And um, the statement just been posted on the verified Twitter account that didn't mention where the event was held, but they said the company is working on putting up a tribute befitting the greatest creator of our time and the father of modern pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Chris Hemsworth was saying that all the actors that have been in any of the Marvel movies should turn up to Stanley's funeral dressed in full costume. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice gesture. Whether they do it or not is another thing, but that would be pretty amazing to see all these characters. Um, People people were concerned about um, who was it that did Johnny Blaze and then played played Captain America, was it? Uh, Yeah, Uh, Chris Evans. He 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 played played, Human um, Torch and then he played um, Captain America. Yeah. So they were saying, oh, what what costumes are you going to turn up in? <laughs> well, same with Michael B. Thing. Jordan. Michael yeah. B. Jordan was the Human Torch, and he was also Killmonger. Oh yeah. And then, well, the guy who played one of the guys from um, Black Panther was in a couple of other movies as well. That was yeah, Michael that's, B. That's Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like the another one. There was Michael Jordan. Than... No, that's why it's Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> there was there was someone else other than Michael B. Jordan in there that had been one of the, I think it was one of the girls had been in one of the other Marvel movies as well. Oh, really? Um, it's one of the the minor folks. I'm check that. It was one of those things I heard somewhere, and I thought that's actually pretty cool. Um, try and track down a link. I wonder if um, Ben Affleck will rock up as uh, Daredevil. Oh, that would be <laughs> that would be interesting. And you should call Char- Charlie Cox and say, you do the black version, I'll do the red costume. <laughs> no. Jennifer Garner is a lecturer. Okay. Actually, that'd be interesting. Her and Ben Affleck in the same place at the same time, and she's got weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's not a licensed proctologist, but I can see her doing some exploration. <laughs> Are you talking about Angela Bassett here, um, Buck? I I can't remember who it was, but there was one of the one of the actresses. Because Angela Bassett did um she was Amanda Waller in the old old Green Latin movie. It might might have been I can't yeah as I said it was yeah but I think we're getting off topic here guys um but oh man uh, with, in terms <coughs> of cameos I would like to see after the did the whole five years worth of cameos I want to see like. Stan Lee's bust in in every Marvel movie. They probably will do that because they've got like in Deadpool two two they don't even have him, and in the TV shows they only have uh, pictures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it'll like be like in in, oh. in um, Deadpool two they've got the huge 
mural on the side of the wall. I can actually, I've actually got a an idea that I have to run past Sean as an idea to do. But yeah, we'll discuss it later. And if it works out, we will be posting on our Facebook page. Sounds interesting. <laughs> I was just something that bottom told Sean. It, it, <laughs> it just came up to came across in my mind just then, and I was just like, "Oh, yes, there might be something to discuss with you." So you either put like a Stanley uh, tribute thing on on your comics, um, Sean? Uh no, no. Um, with with all of that, uh, there there is a lot of legal. You got to be be careful with, especially using someone's likeness and everything. Um, so you know, just on my page, like I've I've written a couple of about a couple of my interactions and and that with him. But yeah, I won't I won't put um, uh, him uh, in a comic or, or or anything like that. Um, might just write a little bit of a, a tribute on the inside of the the cover in one of the issues. Will probably. Um, be something that that would would mean a lot to me to have imprint type of thing. So, um, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we've been rattling on about um, Stanley for a while. Does anyone have any final points to make? Um, Excelsior. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: here lies a man who mythologized, mythologized our childhood. From you to me, smiling Stan, the won't. The world won't be the same without you. Won't be the same without you. So, uh, actually, did any of you guys go to the Excelsior shouting party? No, I was meaning to, and then I yeah, I'm on holidays as a uni student, so I completely forgot that today was Saturday. <laughs> uh, that's the life. No, you got to enjoy it when you can. Anyway, uh, well, we'll wrap it up here. So, um, thanks for joining us tonight, Sean. No, thank you so much for having me, guys. It uh, was a blast. You're welcome. You're welcome. Good night from me. You'll uh, hear from us next week with our regular scheduled Nerds Amalgamated episode. Thanks for having me, guys. Been a blast. You're welcome. See you guys. Have a good night, guys. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.